This episode, we continue our conversation about individuals who have impacted the world of politics, government, and even some in sports and space, who we've lost in 2020. So join us today as we talk about Mayor Dave Dinkins, Bob Ryland, Earl Graves Sr., Gene Kennedy Smith, and a couple of people you may not have heard of before. Stay tuned for another episode of All Roads Lead To with Alan Janae. This is All Roads Lead To with Alan Janae. The place where we share and talk about the people, places, and passions that have impacted us on the road of life. Thanks again for joining us for another episode. And as we continue our conversation about change makers, I was thinking about as I was coming up, um, I'm a child of the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. <laughs> um, but in the early 90s, late 80s to early 90s, it was kind of this next wave of um, black or African-American elected leaders mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that were coming around. I think of the uh, election of Doug Wilder yes, as governor of Virginia. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a breakthrough uh, moment. And around that same time also came the election of David Dinkins yes. as mayor of New York. And we just want to uh, mention his name as another one who we lost in 2020. Um, mayor Dave Dinkins, quite, quite an outstanding gentleman. Absolutely. I, you know, um, think of that rich political, I guess, um, legacy yes. in Harlem particularly. Oh, yes. And, you know, um, he was a part of the gang of four. Yes. And so that's Charles Rangel, Basil Patterson, Patterson um, Percy Sutton, Sutton yes. whose story I've always been riveted by um, as a Tuskegee Airman, um, you know, a lawyer and um, just advisor um, and then um, politician as well. But it, the the complicated and kind of layered lives that so many of these gentlemen held yeah. and just so much that they did at such early ages and yes. so much influence. And so I think um, David Dinkins just reflects that. And I think, you know, mayor of New York with there's so much you have, you know, the heart of financial district, yes. you have, you know, fashion and, and entertainment and, um, you know, just really a, a international city, uh, yes. you know, a, a powerhouse of finance and so much. So being mayor of New York is such a, a powerful, and influential yes. position. And um, he just, you know, really used that office, I think, for a lifting up and I think exposing, you know, um, people who often were marginalized yes. um, within the city. Um, and I think as a result, it gave other people a, a, a sense of aspiration that if he could do it, so can I. Dave Dinkins was an assemblyman. Mm -hmm. uh, he was in charge of the Board of Elections yes. uh, in New York City. And he was also Manhattan Borough President. Which is no uh, easy feat. Which is no easy feat uh, yeah. prior to becoming mayor. And uh, so um, he was, he, he did... Uh, a lot of things in his life and in his yes. career. And one of the things that is really important, especially for those in politics and leadership in general, is not what you do just for the right here and now, mm -hmm. but what you do that it kind of extends your legacy. And one of the things I want to highlight today mm -hmm. that Dave Dinkins, that he did during his time as mayor, mm -hmm. that is still having an effect today, is that when he was mayor of New York, he offered 
and gave a 99-year lease mm. uh, to the USTA, United States Tennis Association, uh, to have the U.S. open on the grounds where it is right now in Flushing, Queens, right there by wow. uh, the old Shea Stadium, the new city field wow. uh, right there. And so uh, that's part of his legacy. And he loved, he was a lover of tennis. Absolutely. And so we think about the times that we've been able yes. and had, you know, just the privilege of going into the, it's an amazing location, very yes. forward thinking to, you know, bring um, the um, USTA events in the U.S. Open, yes. particularly there. Um, the the signature court yes. is the Arthur Ashe Court. Yes. Yes. Um, which is awesome. And we had the, the privilege of seeing, I think, almost really an extension of him opening up because I think that really made tennis accessible. I mean, we've always gotten there by public transit, yes. which made, you know, tennis so much more accessible um, to folks in New That's York. So and um, I think about, you know, Zena Garrison and Arthur Ashe and others, but then you have the Williams sisters. And so we were able to see both Williams sisters uh on those courts. Yes. And that's, that was just a privilege. And so I think, you know, we left off a tennis pro that's that right. passed. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about Bob Ryland. Bob Ryland was a tennis pro, uh, had New Jersey roots. Yes. Yeah, so did Dave Dinkins. So did Dave Dinkins. Dave Dinkins had New Jersey roots as yeah. well. Born in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, Bob Ryland was actually an instructor at the uh, Montclair YMCA, mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and before going into New York City, becoming the first black tennis pro, yeah. uh, Bob Ryland, uh, another one that we lost in 2021, pay honor and tribute to uh, as well. Yeah. And just in terms of opening doors, and you know, I think as a first, particularly as the first black, you know, there were controversial moments during yeah. Dave Dinkins administration and so much, I think when so much is expected, but one thing That's that true. I can say that I really appreciate about him is that he served and seemed to always want to be a mentor and um, seemed to be very accessible. Mm -hmm. I had um, and talked to someone while as a student at HBCU um, wanted to interview and get information from him, was able to speak with him directly um, and was really, you know, kind of hearing just the intelligence and just mm. the, the smarts. Our good friend, Ashley, wow. who is just brilliant. Yes. Um, and he he picked that up on the phone conversation and, you know, kind of encouraged, you know, asked, you know, are you planning to get into politics? And if you, and, you know, she was hedging and saying, no, that wasn't her interest. He's like, in essence, if you do, you know, look me up. And so to think that, you know, he offered wow. his resources to, you know, just a student that he hadn't really even met and just, you know, speaking to on the, met personally, just meeting on the phone and that he just seemed to be accessible and willing to mentor the next generation. And that's something that um, I'm inspired by and just hope to be able to do that whenever, you know, um, and to, to be able to do it at any stage and to think that he was willing to do it at, you know. And if I'm stage. not mistaken, I will look this up to mm -hmm. verify to make sure for sure. But I remember seeing in the tributes to him a picture of him uh, along with, I believe it was Andrew Young. Okay. They were members of Alpha Phi Alpha. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I believe they yeah. were on the same line and yeah. they were just sharp uh, dresses. And yes. Dave Dinkins, I mean, with no disrespect to him, you could call him Dapper Dave. Oh, yeah, he was classy. He was classy, yes. always, always uh, sharp mm -hmm. uh, in his dressing and mm -hmm. uh, kind of in his later years, I believe his signature was the bow tie. Yes, yes. Uh, as well. And that's kind of like a nod to that Harlem. That, that, yes. You know, that's just that sharp, yeah, dapper. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of dapper uh, people as well, dapper dressers as well, um, there's one gentleman who kind of always stood out in every picture that I saw him um, with his sideburns and yes. for, for his sharp suits. And yes. that is the person of Earl Graves, 
senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember uh, I must have been about maybe nine or ten. And my dad happened to have a copy of a magazine. He said, hey, son, I want you to check this out and uh, look at this. And it was happened to be a copy of Black Enterprise yes. uh, magazine. And, you know, there I'm reading it. I'm nine, ten years old, mm-hmm. kind of not making the connections of how significant this magazine is and really about the collective uh, economic power and potential um, that was really existing in the country at that time. Yes. I mean, I think Fortune listed him as one of the 50 most influential blacks in in business. Um, Earl Graves, senior graduate of HBCU Morgan State. Yes. But really, I really remember him most, I think, as you're describing, for his work to really open up opportunities for black business and to highlight and encourage the 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 power of the black consumer and the black dollar um and i just am so impressed with his work with small business administration um through several um really helping to expand it to open up for black businesses in the 70s wow. and then to open um opportunities for you know what we consider minority and women-owned businesses and um it's just really a dynamic example of using his um, influence and starting the magazine and working um, on corporate boards to mm. really help to open up doors for black business and for black entrepreneurs. And um, just, I think, an, an awesome example and understanding, I think, of what we're starting so many of, I think he was just forward thinking because so yeah. many of us are just now starting to appreciate the wealth gaps. And so much of that is rooted in, you know, the inability to, to um, create business base. And to really have local community base and to let dollars stay within the community. And speaking and of forward thinking, I'm sorry, as mm-hmm. you were saying there, I remember reading a couple of years ago how he really started to begin to transfer everything over to his son mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be able to make mm-hmm. sure that there's a family legacy yes. uh, that yes. was there as well um, for many of the things that he started and the things that he began. Absolutely. Definitely. And one of the the things that I've also remembered um, is that he was a part of the presidential commission. Um, President George W. Bush appointed the presidential commission for the National African-American Museum of History and Culture in Washington, D.C. So he was an integral part of that museum, um, which is a legacy to, um, you know, and there's so much um, tribute and um, acknowledgement really of, of blacks in business and in the economic um, wealth of the country that has been highlighted in that museum. Yes. And speaking of presidents, we know um, about certain families have had presidential aspirations. And one of those was the Kennedy family right. going back to Joseph Kennedy and then Joseph Jr. But right. it was actually John who became uh, president. We know that Robert ran and also uh, Teddy ran as well. Well, the last of the siblings, Kennedy siblings, wow. uh, died this past year in the person of Jean Kennedy Smith, mm-hmm. uh, who happened to be also an ambassador to Ireland, yes. I believe, during the Clinton uh, administration. And so we uh, honor and salute um, Jean Kennedy Smith as well. And during her brother's time as president, uh, one of the things he said, we want to send a man to the moon and uh, return him to Earth safely. And one of the people that was really behind getting a person to the moon and back safely was in the person of Katherine Johnson. Yes, yes, yes. What an amazing life. Um, I One of my great joys was being able to take our daughter to see the movie that depicted her life along with Mary Jackson. Um, and 
you know, um, the computers as yes. they were considered in NASA and to just allow my daughter to see Hidden Figures, which yes. was a powerful movie that really helped to show the influence of black women um, during the time of, of the space race. Yes. Yes. An amazing story, an amazing uh, life. And I'm glad that she was able to be honored. Yes. During her lifetime. Yes. Uh, with uh, screening at the White House, right. as well as one of NASA's major buildings right. being named uh, in her honor as well. So STEM and STEAM for, yes. you know, girls of color really, I feel, you know, has been um, catapulted as the as the story of her life has really been um, uncovered, I think, because it's, it's, it's been here all along. but We just really have not been in position really to honor it and to acknowledge it. And so, yeah. I, as you said, I think it's beautiful that she was of those, you know, featured in the film was really the, the, the you know, remaining to really be able to see um, the tributes. And yes. it's a wonderful legacy. Wonderful, beautiful legacy. Speaking of legacies that have lasted for decades, um, real quick story. When I was, I believe I was in the, I was in the fourth grade. I believe, fourth or fifth grade. And we had a special guest speaker who was actually the grandfather of one of my classmates, mm. um, my classmate, Jennifer Winston, her grandfather, uh, Charles L. Brooks was a pastor. And he said, I'm coming to you today because I have a friend I want to introduce you to. And the friend he introduced us to was someone he said he had met at the barber. I remember this wow. from the, the fourth or fifth grade. And it was a man by the name of Preston Bruce. Okay. And this man named Preston Bruce had worked at the White House mm. and had worked as a butler and one of the people who worked there. Mm. Um, and I remember getting his autograph mm. and hopefully somewhere I still have it. Yeah. But one of the people who worked during that time as well uh, passed away in 2020, a man by the name of Wilson Roosevelt Jarman, who wow. started in the Eisenhower administration wow. in 1957 as just uh, a general helper. Mm. There, uh, President Kennedy actually promoted him to Butler, and he served every successive administration through 2012, wow. where he ended his service as the elevator man for President Barack Obama. Powerful! Wow, that's amazing. What a life of service, and yes. and to see, imagine what he did—a see full circle—and to end, you know, on that note, with, yeah. you know, of. of, of Black man in, in, in the White House. Yeah. I'm sure he never thought in 1957 that he would witness that. Never, that ever, ever. Yeah, it makes me think of the story of um, that's mentioned um, in President Obama's yes. book of Ed Thomas. And yes. Just of just dutiful um, men who are conscientious to their work yes. and to their craft and took special, um, I think, dedication and pride in working at the White House yes. and, and of, you know, and, of, of, and saw it to be noble work. Yes. And I just think that, you know, um, you hear, hear that saying of all, all, you know, honest work is, 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 you know, is, should be credited yes. and acknowledged. And I think, you know, this is an example of that. And, we, I, you know, just hope to be reminded of that because I think so often that was something that was passed on to us. Yeah. And I think sometimes now we only elevate certain types of work. That's true. But that honest work is is worth honoring and, um, you know, giving proper and due respect. Absolutely. So we thank you for joining us as we've talked about another set of change makers. We have one more set we want to talk about. So please join us for the next episode of All Roads Lead To. We are so glad to share our podcast with you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and on social media. So please listen, share, and tell a friend 
about All Roads Lead To with Al and Janine, the place where we talk about the people, the places, and the passions that have impacted us along the road of life.